This is going to be a very interesting video. It's going to be very unique and interesting. Today, we reveal a psychiatrist's journey into using powerful hypnosis and self-hypnosis systems on clients. Yes, five-path hypnotherapy and seven-path self-hypnosis. Let me introduce you to Dr. Gregory Brown. Uh, Dr. Gregory Brown. I don't edit anything out. If I flub it, it stays in there. So just cool. Um, he is a psychiatrist. He is a professor of psychiatry. He is a professor of psychiatry at the Kirk Kirkorian School of Medicine in Las Vegas, UNLV. And he can correct any of this stuff if I didn't get it right. And then guess what? He's a five-path IAHP board-certified hypnosis professional. He writes for the five-path journal and will be presenting at the five-path IAHP, that's International Association of Hypnosis Professionals Symposium, held this year, September uh, 30 through October 1st, 2023, here in Dallas, Texas. I'm very happy to have him part of our five-path community of hypnosis professionals. How are you doing today? Great, great. How are you doing, Cal? I'm doing really good. So the purpose of this is just to have you talk about yourself, let everyone know how um, you uh, came into the idea of being interested in hypnosis and all that. So let me get my checklist because I always have a checklist. Away with page one. Here we go. So, doctor, tell us about how you got into the, interested in hypnosis in the first place. I'm going to take this back a long ways because I think it's really uh, kind of interesting. When I was a senior in high school, my dad, who was um, retired, um, had uh, invited me to go to a hypnosis class at the local community college. Mm -hmm. And this guy was, he was really nice. And, you know, looking back at other things, he was actually really well-informed as well. And uh, we got to experience all these uh states of hypnosis with each other over about five weeks. And at the end, there were two remarkable things that happened. One, I got a little hypnosis tape back in the days with cassettes, right? <laughs> After rewind them. And uh, I did a, a weight loss hypnosis tape and I lost eight pounds in two weeks just listening to the tape every day. Um, even more amazing, um, the hypnotist came to our house and um, my mom had suffered from migraine headaches for her whole life. And they were always worse when we were going away for a, uh, a weekend away or you know, like a lighter time as opposed to, to daily usual life. And so on a Friday afternoon, he came over to the house. He did about an hour session with her in private and the whole weekend we drove off to a fun weekend. She had no migraine headache. Again, I was a senior in high school. This is the first time that had ever happened in my life. Wow. And so I knew from those two experiences that hypnosis was extraordinarily powerful. And um, then I, I took some trainings and had some other experiences, but you know, life gets in the way, college gets in the way and all that. Um, but then I had some patients who came to my office just a, a few years ago, a couple in a row, actually, who wanted to actually deal with flying phobias. 
And so I thought, okay, I'll go back to my past training. I'll find the script, blah, blah, because the most of the trainings are largely script-based. And um, there wasn't a script. So I looked on Amazon and I found Cal Banyan's book on scripts. And um, it looked different. The descriptions were different. I grabbed that book. And when I started reading it and saw your new versions of inductions, and I saw the way you wrote scripts, which wasn't just simple um, direct suggestion, but instead at an entire journey. You know, I was like, I have to learn way more from this gentleman. And then I saw the reference later to Seventh Path Self-Hypnosis. So I immediately got the online uh, course and um, found that to be such an impressive and incredible, powerful technique, even with the first five in the short version, which is what was there. Mm -hmm. I said, I have to move heaven and earth and get to a class to learn the full versions of all nine, because this system is um, beyond anything I've seen before. And it has made tremendous, uh, you know, it's helped me a lot personally. And I want to be able to offer this to patients. So that was sort of my uh, my uh, way of getting here. <laughs> yeah, then you showed up in class, right? I did. <laughs> was it easy? The class. It was. It was. I will say it was not an easy class, but it was a straightforward class. And uh, putting forth the effort and doing the things that were there, it was one, two, three. You could learn each skill set and build upon it. And I think anyone who would want to apply it could absolutely do it after going to the class. And then you got to watch your classmates changing right there in class as they're doing as they're doing it, right? Well, the, um, the um, for for confidentiality's sake, I won't say the name, but the person who was sitting next to me in the front row of class had had. Um, um, some really significant long-term COVID issues and was unable to smell or taste anything. And um, she walked into class after doing Seventh Path herself, I think for two days, I think it was class day three. And she turned around to me and she said, I think you smell like coconuts. <laughs> and um, the, uh, uh, the moisturizer I use has some coconut in it. So she was absolutely right. Okay. And then she went and got a jelly donut from uh, the, the table outside. And she said, this tastes like raspberries. It was the first time she had tasted or smelled in, I guess, over a year. Yeah. So it was just, that was like mind-blowing <laughs> yeah, one of my big goals in class is i want to turn everybody into what i call true believers uh, they either have an experience themselves or for someone in class to have just an undeniable experience so that they can leave so that because you're, you're going to run into naysayers right and they say, oh, ah, but it's like no you can't tell me this doesn't work because i saw x y and z experienced x y and z exactly exactly so tell me a little bit about like you as the psychiatrist, like what that practice is like, not, oh, sure. not including the hypnosis part, but just so we know who you are as a professional. Oh, sure. So half of my life, I work at the School of Medicine, uh, as, as you had mentioned, and I'm the residency training director. So I keep the program in compliance, but I also 
teach residents. Uh, residents are uh, folks who finished medical school and they've decided they want to be a psychiatrist, so they devote four years to the program to do so. And uh, I tend to teach the higher level residents and um, supervise them. So I always also want to, to make sure they're getting little kernels of stuff like this so that their mind is not trapped into prescribing pills all the time. So that is uh, half of my time is teaching and supervising clinically. And then the other half of my time is at my private office. And half of that is clinical care. Half of that is medical legal work for the courts or other third parties that have um, questions of me regarding an evaluee as opposed to a patient or client. Wow. And then within my patient practice, I have a lot of people who've had long-term trauma, PTSD, depression, anxiety, uh, phobias, all, all of that general realm of conditions. And I um, have incorporated a lot of seventh path forward, a lot of seventh path and some five path with uh, those people. And I can just say they do better than the folks who don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it difficult for our to to I mean, did you have to get permission or anything to start doing that? Or do, can you just do what you want with your patients? I can just do what I want. Um, my uh my medical malpractice insurance actually covers hypnosis uh, and all, and they all do for psychiatry, um, which is interesting since not a whole number, not a huge number of psychiatrists necessarily practice it, but it is part of the policy. So I don't have to have permission on that end. And my practice is a cash practice for outpatient care. So I don't have to get the uh, uh, permission, so to speak, of a, a third party payer source. Cool. So it was very easy to introduce because um, really I can come into the office and say, I have this amazing technique that you're able to do at home and whatever we're doing in the office, if you do this at home, it's going to help things move more quickly. It's going to clear junk out so that then when you come to the session, we can move on to other stuff and you'll be able to just supercharge this process of growth and change uh, by doing this at home pretty effortlessly since it basically is thinking a thought and seeing what happens after and people jump into that really readily <laughs> okay because that would be my next question how responsive responsive you know compliant are the patients to do that they seem to like to do that huh the vast majority of them are very enthused about doing it there are a few, of course, that it doesn't click with for whatever reason, uh, but for the most part, people really take it enthusiastically. Very nice. Yeah, and that's my experience too. Now, mm. you you want to tell us a favorite case history or something like that that you think might be of interest to everybody? Uh, sure. Um this is this is going to be sort of an amalgamation of two people, but that's good because actually it would make it more hard to identify. But um, I have several uh, folks in the practice who they have what, if in a diagnostic sense, we would say complex PTSD, um, which it's not in the DSM for anyone who knows what the DSM is, but it is available as a code, and it's it is just a people a group of people who were so beaten down as children that um, almost everything in life feels like a trauma everything's anxiety provoking they're exquisitely sensitive to external stressors and what you might call triggers 
Um, and they just are overwhelmed, not just in one area of life, but in almost every area of life, because this really early childhood stuff so pervasively makes it hard for them to interact. Mm -hmm. And um, these people, um, two in particular, who started doing Seventh Path religiously, <laughs> they just come into sessions and they're no longer overwhelmed. They can talk about, the, you know, we I use multiple modalities, obviously, but um, they can talk about things and not be overwhelmed by it. Um, they say, wow, you know, my husband says I'm not as reactive and we're able to talk about stuff at home. Um, the person who actually just left the office moments before this call started uh, is saying, you know, I can't believe this. In the last six months, I'm just not reacting to things the way I used to. And that doesn't mean that everything is, you know, fixed yet. I'm not suggesting that, but they are doing so much better that I can tell when someone, when they come in, if they haven't done Seventh Path for the last week or two, uh -huh. they are looking frazzled and upset and on edge. And I can just say, how's seventh path going and they'll say oh i haven't been doing that quite enough i need to get back into it and i say yeah you pretty much do <laughs> i tell them is you know the more you want to forget to do it or you forget to do it the more you needed to do it exactly right and somehow exactly. life has turned up the heat in some way and then you can't find the time or you're whatever and but that's when you need it the very the very most exactly right and the other thing I do, in fact, I just mentioned this to this to the to, to the to the last person. Um, and I'll mention this last person. When she came in, she had a life in which her parents would continually put her in double binds. This woman is a professional that is, you know, beyond superior um, in terms of life functioning, but is so deeply hurt inside. And I reminded her in Seventh Path. Once you notice the echo, go back and say the recognition, because she was, I think, letting the echoes become so intense that the recognition wasn't essentially providing some relief. Right. And uh, that was such a relief to her um, to just be reminded, you don't have to go into the echo long enough for the emotion to become horrific. You just touch the echo and then you repeat the recognition so that the echo starts to decrease in its negative intensity. And that way it goes away. <laughs> and this was a giant relief to her, but I, uh, she has just stuck with it through thick and thin and is showing the ability for the first time in her adult life to even think anger. I mean, I mean, if you can, this woman, if she expressed an emotion for the first 20 years of her life, her parents would berate her and say she was crazy and insane for having an emotion. Oh, man. And um, uh, if she tried to go to other family members, the, the, the family of origin would tell the other family members to, to treat her even worse because she shouldn't be doing this. So she had no refuge and she survived life by shutting down, becoming a professional. And she is now, after all of these years, able to experience the emotion of anger, which, 
from my perspective as a giant therapeutic breakthrough for her and um, we've done uh, both seventh path with her and we've also done the steps of five path with her as well because the um, uh, just moving into recognition number two was so overwhelming we had to go back and do age regression uh, a couple of times mm -hmm. and once we did that she's able to progress through and uh, do do recognition two three four five but uh, that was just the concept from recognition two was so powerful that um, it was just too much in the beginning yeah no, that's really awesome did you introduce her to the secret language of feelings i did uh, <laughs> absolutely okay. i integrate the readings from the secret language of feelings with everyone and even some people who aren't really necessarily interested in doing hypnosis i still give them the secret language of feelings books because i feel like it is so um important first of all to recognize that all feelings are good because that's something almost no one has heard but second of all to have that that three-step response to an emotion that someone doesn't want it is so organic and so just one two three you don't have to get lost in it you just acknowledge it is it is it legitimate or not legitimate going through those steps is so helpful for people whether I mean, I, I hope people will do the seventh path, but even if they don't, the secret language of feelings is really a great, great thing for them to have as a resource. Thank you. You know, one of my dreams is I'd like to connect with a publisher that has a stable of authors, you know, in all these different areas of life, relationships and and developmental psychology and all this stuff and partner with them to do the secret language of feelings and parenting, the secret language of feelings and relationships, the secret language of feelings and mental health and all these different things, kind of like, um, you know, the, the idiots books, you know, where there's oh, yeah. <laughs> the secret language of feelings and divorce and just oh, yeah. to apply these principles to everyday things would be exactly. just so great. All right, cool. Is there anything you want to add to that? I've got a couple more questions. You're doing awesome. <laughs> I think that's good for those questions. Uh, okay. As a forensic psychiatrist, it's been beat into me. And, you know, in court and depositions to do a really good job, you answer the questions asked and nothing else. <laughs> okay. What do you wish that the general public and the medical community understood about hypnosis? For the medical community, I think both in psychiatry and not in psychiatry, medicine has been marching along a path towards more and more reductionism. And so, you know, three decades ago, psychiatry might have been full of psychoanalysts, which, you know, have their own distortions. Um, but today, a lot of psychiatrists are, are really psychopharmacologists and almost define themselves as such. Uh, well, five minute meetings for your new prescription. Right. And I think the message is there are a lot of other tools for your tool belt. 
right? Hypnosis has been around and actually created the infancy of psychiatry, right? Right. This is where Charcot and Freud meet, and Charcot is saying these conditions don't match the neurology of the brain. And Freud says, you know, develop psychoanalysis as a reaction essentially against his his uh, uh, unwillingness to do hypnosis because of the intensity of the transference. So uh, this is the birth of psychiatry, which has been ignored. But these tools are extraordinarily powerful. And so what I would want to communicate back to my field and to medicine is there is wide applicability in hypnosis for pain control. Just how about reducing the dose of opiates by half, by introducing hypnosis to improve pain control so you don't need as many pills. In terms of anxiety, depression, stress responses, hypnosis in, is incredibly powerful to reduce those symptoms. So there are tools beyond pills that can give your patients relief, but more importantly, give them self-control instead of feeling like I have to come back to you for another prescription or whatever. This is a tool you take home. It's a tool you use every night. It's a tool that gives you exquisite control over physiology that you didn't know you had before. Um, and just as an aside, I have a lot of patients who come in who have a lot, a lot of anxiety and they'll say, you know, I've tried that meditation app on the phone. I think it's the call map is the one they always talk about, but, and they get like three words into saying, and now relax. And I want to throw the phone across. the room. <laughs> Right. And yeah. that's because, um, the app has no way of measuring what your physiology is at this instant in time. And if you just tell someone who's ex extraordinarily anxious to calm down and relax, that's the last thing they can do in that moment. Um, so even though the app is well intended and it probably works very well for people who are already relaxed, um, seventh path or even, or even the first induction, uh, five path induction, which takes them to a physiologically relaxed state in minutes without them having to try to relax themselves is such an incredible and intense symptom relief that it blows their minds. You know, like, yeah, at, at the desk, I'll have them practice that part where they say deeper, relax, or have half the intensity. Yes. I just watch them go right into hypnosis and, and, and they go, okay. Then I look at them, would you like to do some hypnosis with me now? <laughs> yeah. We're already <laughs> yeah. there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that degree of power in those kinds of symptoms goes beyond what at least um, commercial level quote meditation unquote apps you know offer and um and the way the seventh path works in putting forth something waiting for something to come back putting forth something waiting to come back overcomes a lot of the challenges with meditation where you try to focus on one thing and nothing else that then gets frustrating for the person who can't shut off their mental their mental chitter chatter right. um, in terms of the general public, you know, what I would like to communicate is that hypnosis is a serious, researched back and very long tradition that offers tremendous efforts in symptom control. It's not what you see on the stage. It's not jumping around in the, in the room and acting like a chicken. It's not doing weird stuff to be embarrassing. It is a deeply powerful technique that will help you feel better and 
just let go of symptoms, let go of these things from the past naturally, easily, and effortlessly. And to dismiss it as a stage show is, is really a big mistake. Yes. The, the profession needs to do better PR work, don't we? I think so. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. Let's see here. I think that we've used up and really provided some real value in this video. Would you be willing to do a couple more with me while I got you here? Of course. Why not? <laughs> All right. Yes. So some, we've got some other topics I've got bouncing around in my head that we're going to hit in with. And so uh, after you've watched this video, if the other ones are available, go right into them. And I think you're going to find this to be very interesting. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Gregory Brown. Bye <laughs> for now. Say goodbye to everybody. Bye, everybody. Take care. And it's Greg to you all. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs>